Good afternoon, everyone. It's your man, Dame DNYDC, host of the Two Mics Up podcast. Uh, we're here today. We're, we're trying to look something a little different. You know, we're going to do this episode. We're going to do this live today. You know, kind of a bonus feature in advance of our release tomorrow. Uh, as always, I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Elisa Middleton. How you doing today, Lise? I'm good. Hey, everyone. I'm doing well. I mean, after the event yesterday, which was so awesome, the uh, Black Business Expo and Food Truck Festival, it was a very good event. So I'm feeling blessed, and um, I'm glad to be here. Same here. It was a wonderful event. Shout out to Ernisha and Tracy Hall, you know, of the uh, VABBD. Yo, uh, it was an amazing event yesterday. Uh, lines were uh, long. The food was great. The music, the comedians. Uh, I mean, it was an awesome event yesterday. So shout out to them. Uh, looking forward to, uh, you know, whatever they're going to bring to the community in the future. You know, we are here today. Um, like I said, we, we're jumping in into some topics that, you know, we've missed. Uh, you know, we've been kind of branching out and We've been really busy and blessed, um, but we're joined today with Technisha Robinson, a a voice many of you may have heard on her wonderful episode. You know, she's an amazing uh, individual and, and sister in our community doing great things. How are you doing today, Technisha? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Oh, well, man, we're, we're blessed and we're just happy to have you here with us, you know, just to share some thoughts of, of, of the events that are going on today in our country, um, you know, we are going to kind of move to a couple of different topics, uh, but I want to start first and, you know, I'm going to open, let Technisha open the floor. You know, we're talking about um, what I like to call the presidential debacle, um, but they like to say that they're debates uh, with, you know, President Trump and, you know, Senator, well, former Vice President Biden. And, and Technisha, what's, what's, your, what's your thoughts or comments about those debates uh, that we've seen so far, I guess the debate in the town hall that we've seen so far, what do you, what are your take? Um, it's definitely something that's unprecedented. Usually, you know, when we do have um, these uh, debates, usually, you know, it's a couple of people and, you know, you're together one, you know, pandemic has hit. So we're not able to um, do as many this year, um, you know, due to the pandemic. And then um, of course, the, you know, the spread of the pandemic, we haven't been able to have as many. So the town hall option, honestly, I thought that it was a little bit better than, you know, how the debates were going. I felt like you could really understand a little bit more about what they're trying to say versus just, you know, hearing what's going on and, you know, maybe the yelling or just not being able to listen to them, how you would want to be able to take from, you know, what they're saying. So I think, I thought the Taha, although it's unprecedented, I thought it was a better idea than, you know, having the debate. So that's my take on it. Um, I feel like you can, you know, the the people that were there were able to actually ask, ask some questions more so than, you know, just hearing, more of an argument. So right. that's my take on that. Lise? I, I agree. I just, you know, I think that because of the times that we're in with the coronavirus and um, everything that's going on, it's a little different. But, um, you know, you didn't get to hear much of the issues. You know, it was just, um, 
more of interrupting and it was it was very the presidential one was very unpresidential and yeah, I agree <laughs> I agree the um president um debate it was it was okay but I just feel like in this country we're in a strange place mm. like you know I think times are changing and things are shifting so it's just it's just a, it was just a little um difficult and mm-hmm. a little um unprecedented so it's something that we just wasn't used to as we you know no uh former presidential debates you know what it really entails and what it looks right. like and then things were um different as well as for the um the uh vice president debate because i just feel like we're so divided Mm-hmm. That it's just like we really can't get to any of the um, hardcore issues, and people already have made up their mind, so they're in their perspective places. Right, so right. I didn't feel um, it didn't sway anyone one way or the other. Well, I'd have to agree with you on that. You know, the like I said, the presidential debacle. Really, um, I have to put that on the president. Um, it was like having a five-year-old. Uh, you know, I mean, really, I mean, I don't know any other way to say it. It was like having a five-year-old, uh, having a, a, a tantrum. And uh, it was very unpresidential, um, in my opinion, to things that we've seen in the past. Uh, mm-hmm. I think um, you really didn't, we didn't really answer any issues in that in that debate or whatever that was. That, you know, I think a lot of us really, in my opinion, I lost two hours of my life and I couldn't get it back. <laughs> and and it didn't sway right and I think it didn't sway uh anyone. Um the only thing that I took from it, the lasting picture of Joe really I felt like he really tried to talk to America. You mm-hmm. know, he really tried to rise above, but wasn't mm-hmm. it was almost like he was brought down into a street fight. Mm-hmm. You know, and then to look at the town hall, I thought it was great like Technicia said, but again, when I watched that, uh I didn't really get much from Trump. Other than the, and I hate to say this, the sister that was sitting, who was perfectly set behind him in the corner, <laughs> and she was like daughter. a bubble head. She was just like a bubble head all night. Like, that was the only thing that I, I got from that. But when you, when I went back, because we recorded both, and I watched Biden, this man, I mean, he answered questions. So, and again, I'm not trying to drive anyone to one side or the other, but, you know, who do you want to be your president? Someone that's going to sit there and care uh, and and answer your questions, or the guy that's just going to be on the attack. And I mean, really, I didn't get anything from it. And to move forward, like you said, Lisa, with the vice presidential debates, um, I have to be honest. Even in that fact, uh, look, let's just call it what it is. Kamala is Kamala. She Kamala Kamala Miss Harris. <laughs> she is by far the best presidential candidate period that's what i walked away with her polish her class her her answers um i I, by far she stood out the most to me and i mean the fly was really the highlight of pence's debate (laughs) (laughs) the fly was the the highlight he was the highlight i won the debate yeah Yeah. basically yeah yeah the fly was the highlight yeah so so yeah so technicia anything you know I know I don't want to put you in a in order because I see you smiling. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna leave it there. <laughs> right. So outside of that, um, what you know, I watched the polls after, 
And, you know, they try to give you an idea of which way, you know, uh, the American, you know, uh, Americans are leaning. You know, do you feel that either one of them really did much to sway Americans to lean one way or the other? Or do you still feel that we're in the stuck in that same rut, kind of like that equal divide right down the middle? I feel like we're just in the equal divide um, personally, because I think, honestly, the the focus of Americans is uh, the pandemic, honestly, um, the future, their economic stability, um, their families, their children going to school. Honestly, it, it, it would, uh, the, the actual presidential election, it, it just seems to be kind of like an afterthought or something that we have to do, like the pomp and circumstance of, you know, voting. Honestly, I feel like if they never did a town hall, they never did, you know, a debate, people in their minds would still know who they're going to vote for. So I feel like a lot of it has been, you know, pomp and circumstance, because mm-hmm. honestly, we could have, you know, done without it um, this year. Um, I, I know there were some thoughts of like maybe postponing it or, um, honestly, you can't vote if you're not alive. So, you know, the focus for like, I think the majority of Americans is, you know, their families, their economic stability, getting their children educated um, and, and their, you know, things like that. So the voting is, uh, you know, something that's, you know, definitely different this year. I know um, a lot of people are doing absentee. I know some people are choosing, you know, to go vote in person, you know, early voting, um, voting by mail, you know, most of the time, you know, only people who do that is absentee ballots, but now mm-hmm. you have the ability to, you know, vote by vote by mail. So uh, specifically, I'm going to be voting in person. Um, and I've thought about doing early voting, but I'm thinking about just going on the day of. Um, I always usually just vote on the day of, honestly. So um, I don't know, maybe it's the nostalgia of it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, I plan on, you know, voting in person. But I feel like uh, to answer your question, I kind of just feel like we're in that equal divide. You know, every four years we kind of go through the same thing and we listen to, you know, some of the same issues and, right. you know, some of the same answers. Some of these answers have been a little bit different this year you mm-hmm. know, than four years ago. Uh, but that's because, you know, things have changed within the last four years. So that's just my take on it. Okay. Leaf? Yeah, I agree. I agree totally. I think that um, I don't really pay attention to the polls anymore just because of what happened four years ago. Mm. Um, So it can be anyone's game at this point. And I do think that the country is equally divided. Um, I I don't see the, the swaying one way or another. I have already voted. I chose to do early voting. Um, here in the state of Virginia. So I've already casted my ballot. Um, so I, 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 I don't think that uh, there are any swing voters. I don't think that <laughs> there are any right. um, undecided voters. I think that people are in their retrospective corners and with their parties. And um, if that exists, then we have the, we do have a situation where um, we're trying to parties are not so much as getting uh, popular like you know the democratic party and then the republican party um you hear a lot of talk uh about you know as far as black america where we stand in either party so we have a lot um going on Hmm. i mean that's that's interesting um i don't know why i i feel um I agree with what both you're saying, but I, I do feel that there's a 
those who are non-committed or uncommitted, for I really think those are going to be the ones to move this election one way or the other. And I hate to say it, I, I don't know why I think it's going to be, um, you know, our black votes. You know, it, it just seems to come down to that. And I, I don't know what it's going to take um, for us to, I don't want to say pick a side because, you know, I've talked about, I'm not really about sides anymore. I'm more about the best person. I want the best person to do the job. I could really care less about party anymore because really either, neither party really cares about us. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Um, you know, we look here in Virginia, you know, what we're dealing with, you know, in our, in our congressional district, we, you know, with Kwasim Rashid and, you know, Whitman. You know, Whitman is going on a full-out attack on this man's race and and his culture and things that he's saying on Twitter. And it's just like, you know, that's fear. You know, uh, again, when I look at that, that's that, and I want to call it Republican fear, but that seems to be their fear. You know, I look at him, he has a lot of Trump ways or Trumpism in it when it comes to trying to fight this political battle. And I just think we need to show up and pick the best person. And when I look at those two, you know, I'm looking at Kwasim and, and Whitman, I just see the best person and Kwasim Rashid. That's just my take. And I just think if I see that here on a local level, I think that's how we need to start looking at it from a local to a federal level, you know, and, and on a presidential level, look for the best person. Um, but with that being said, you know, um, you know, Technisha touched on the upcoming elections, and you guys were talking about elections and early voting. You know, my wife and I are trying to figure out pretty much the same thing. Do we want to go vote early? Um, do we want to go out and stay traditional? Um, but with COVID, uh, I'm kind of wrapped. I'm kind of having a hard time. I think I want to go sneak in the back door because Lisa said she's already done, you know, her early voting. And I would be interested, you know, since you've done it, early already, Lisa, and, you know, technician and I are kind of in the, in the, I guess, in the lurch here. <laughs> what what really, outside of COVID, or what, what was the other factors that really made you want to go out and vote early? Because maybe there's some people that are listening that are kind of stuck in that gray area like technician and I. Well, I just voted early because, one, I don't want to stand on long lines. That's number one. Mm. And number two, I work on... Mm -hmm. um, election day oh, <laughs> so okay. i wanted to make sure that i my my ballot was cast it was a very easy process it's the same process that you go through when you go on november 3rd mm -hmm. you get your ballot you fill it out and you put it into the computer and it it, it counts your ballot the upside to that is you get to avoid the long lines and um machines breaking mm -hmm. uh, from mm -hmm. the overload of November the 3rd um, and, and just other little things. But I just found it very easy. It took me five minutes from park to vote to back to my car. Oh, wow. Um, it was it was it was it was effortless. And mm -hmm. so I just found it to be convenient. Okay. Um, this is my first year early voting. I just felt like let me vote now because I already um, witness and been a part of uh, voter suppression. So mm. I felt like, let me try to do this today and see how this half works, you know, the early voting. Because I always usually vote on a, um, on a third. So real quick, Dr. Cut, so voters, what, what experience, you know, you mentioned, because I've, I've never uh, experienced, you know, any type of voter suppression or that, that I'm aware of. 
mm-hmm. you know, can you kind of touch on that a little bit? Yeah. Um, so when I was in New York, when I lived in New York, they have very, very, um, at that time, let me say this is a mm-hmm. while ago, but voter <laughs> suppression is not new. Right. So, um, but, you know, they have very, very long lines and antiquated system at that time. And then you had machines that weren't working and, um, you know, you just experienced that long, long wait. And if you had to go to work or and, and what we see in Georgia and other places mm-hmm. now today if you have to go to work, you can't wait on an, a 12-hour line like in right. Georgia mm. that just was last week. I mean, they had people out there waiting for 12 hours right. uh, to vote. And that is a form of voter suppression because it should not take you 12 hours to do anything <laughs> mm-hmm. that your liberty, liberty right, this right. country should grant you. So. I just, I just, I just thought I'd try early voting. Okay. The voter suppression this year has been uh, definitely heightened uh, from what I've seen, um, especially with the mail-in ballots. Um, you've seen, you know, male people, uh, well, not all male people, obviously, but some uh, are, you know, throwing the mail away, no way, or right. they're creating fake boxes where you would put your ballot in. And, you know, people look for convenience sometimes. They're like, oh, a ballot here. I can just drop it here. And then, you know, that vote is never counted. Um, making sure your your ID now is like the real ID. Mm-hmm. You know, because a lot of people in Virginia didn't have a real ID before. Um, so making sure that your address on your uh, license is the same address that they have in the system. It's a lot that's um, taken into consideration, you know, with voter suppression. Um, you know, in the past, um, during like the civil rights movement, we had literacy tests. Like if you couldn't read, you couldn't vote. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was one of the way to, to keep people from voting. Voting is a very powerful um, privilege that we have as American citizens. And so, so many people have, you know, fought for the right for us to be able to vote, um, not just in this country, but in, even in other countries, you know, right. um, I know, and let's just say South Africa, their first time voting um, as a, you know, Africans, Indians, yep. the colors, all of that was 1994, mm-hmm. which was only 26 years ago. That was their first time voting. So um, for the people here, it's such a privilege. And they're like, oh, you know, I'm not voting because I don't like either of the candidates. But you're not taking into consideration that you're not just voting for the candidates. What's happening right now is the Supreme Court, uh, you know, we're trying to confirm a new judge, a new mm-hmm. judge. That's one of the things that you're voting for when you go to vote. Um, it's right. not just, and it, it goes down from, you know, the, the local level all the way up. So when you're, you know, decide not to vote, you know, it's, it's more than not being able to, you know, pick who you want to, to run the country. So, um, well, yeah. You, you touched on a very good point. Um, you know, yesterday uh, at the fair, you know, had, had quite a few people come up and ask what the podcast was about. And we, you know, we told them, you know, the, the gist of the podcast is really to educate, empower, and impact, you know, the community. And one of the things that you just spoke on, uh, Technicia, was I had a young man come up. And I asked him the same thing, like, do you know, you know, uh, I believe he lives in Stafford County. And I asked him, you know, do you know who your sheriff is? You know, do you know who the judges are? And he was like, you know, I really have no idea. And I said, you know, th- these are the times that you need to vote because in what you just said, these are the people that are writing laws and enforcing laws on people that look like you and I. But if you don't know who they are and you don't know what platforms they're standing on, 
then you're really putting yourself and people that look just like you in a situation. And we have to educate ourselves to know what's going on with our community, you know, so that we can go out and vote. And just in what you said, it starts locally and it escalates from level to level to level. This president himself, he's put, I think, what was it, like 280, 280 some judges have been appointed uh, to the courts. Not one of them is a person of color. That tells you all you need to know. And it's done in a manner where it's put in it's put in our face, but we don't read anymore. You know, it's put in our newspapers and things like that, but we don't read. We don't know where to go. And that's what this platform was really developed for, that we can help start educating people on on places to go, uh, things that they need to read to help not only improve themselves, but improve our community. And just to move forward and touching on that, you know, we reached out to you, Technician, really about this whole um, ice cube situation. And yes, uh, you have posted something that Lisa and I both saw. And we were, well, I, I know it, it definitely touched me, but we were both like, yeah, we really need to reach out to you. Um, because it, I thought it was poignant in what you said and what you, what you put out there. So could you just share, you know, if you could, you know, paraphrase or whatever, you know, what you posted and let's go ahead and dive into that conversation with, that we're dealing with with Ice Cube today. Okay, so as we know, uh, Ice Cube spearheaded a program called the Platinum Project. Um, the Platinum Project is basically is like the contract for Black America, which he outlined in 22 pages. So in this, he is specifically talking to uh, the you know, people who are in power, how we can help uh, black Americans, specifically uh, those who are descendants of slavery, um, who how we can promote racial equal equality and racial economic justice. Um, as we know here in America, we're still you know in the fight for racial um, equality, um, economic justice um, here in America. So he he didn't reach out to either one of the the parties. He, what he did was he outlined it and uh, the the. Democratic Party, they were like, hey, we like what you have here. Let's talk about it after the election. Then, you know, the Republicans was like, hey, we like what you have here. Let's talk about this now, basically in a nutshell. So he had the, in my opinion, courage to be able to work with someone who has opposing views. And if you think about it, right? So what I said in my post was, um, <laughs> I, I really um, look up to uh, like Nelson Mandela and a lot of the things that he stood for and what he went through in his life. Um, this man was imprisoned for a lot of the of, of his life. Um, people say 27 years, but actually it was more than 27 years. You got to think about before he was actually imprisoned for uh, high treason, as they called it. He was in um, he was in uh, in prison during another treason trial in the 50s. In the 60s, mm -hmm. he went to jail. He didn't get out to 1990. So he went to jail because he was a political prisoner. He was trying to fight for the rights of all Africans in South Africa. Um, when he got out, he could have, you know, been like you know, let's tolerate against these people. They're not gonna rule our country. We're gonna take back our country. We're gonna treat them just as wrong as they've treated us. And honestly, the 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 violence would have been way worse than it was in that country at that time. They were at the brink of a civil war. Instead, he got out. He had the courage to work with the same uh, government that oppressed his people for, you know, eon, 80 years before that. 
um, with the system of apartheid. Mm -hmm. So he got out and he taught, you know, about racial reconciliation. Hey, this is their country just as much as it, as it is ours. How can we work together? It took from 1990 to 1994 for them to come up with a completely new constitution on uh, with a, a racial, a non-racial government, because everything in that government was like literally like, OK, if you're African, you do this. And not just if you're African, it's like if you're Zulu, if you're uh, mm -hmm. if you're part of the Bantu tribe, if you're mm -hmm. Indian, you're over here, if you're colored, you're over here. You know, the same government that, you know, would pull people from their house and put them on homelands, uh, the equivalent of like what we call a reservation here, like for the Native Americans, um, he he was he was able to. I don't know. I don't know if he forgave them or he if he was just like, you know what, in order to promote a new country, we're going to have to work with our oppressors. We're going to have to work mm -hmm. with the opposition. Just like uh, here in America, right? Uh, uh, Martin Luther King, he had to talk to John F. Kennedy. He had to talk to Lyndon B. Johnson. Mm -hmm. He had to talk to the president, you know, because most, you know, he's the head of state. So if he would have never had those con uh, conversations with the opposition, we may have never gotten the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not saying Martin Luther King was the, the, the one that, you know, is the reason for it, but he had to have those tough conversations about the grievances of black people in this country. Right. Uh, what, you know, uh, Ice Cube has done, you know, he has, you know, outlined, hey, how can we help, you know, black Americans here? Because each party needs to have a black agenda. We, you know, we're not just one to just give up our vote. We have to have, they have to have some type of a black agenda. So uh, I, I think that the way he did was um, you, he has the courage to work with the opposition, just like Nelson Mandela had the right to work and they created a new country, you know, new national government. We had, you know, laws every, you know, so uh, you know, every so often within the civil rights uh, act that has, um, well, civil rights movement that has promoted, you know, how our lives are today. Have we gotten, you know, 100% of what we want? No, we're not even halfway there, but it takes those tough conversations to be able to work with our opposition, our oppressors, um, in order to promote change here in America. You can't just stay on your side of the fence and they stay on their side of the fence and we expect change to happen. So. I, I've seen, you know, the tweets. I've seen, you know, some of the, oh, he, he he's a pawn. He's, you know, just a part in their scheme, you know, to, to get more black votes and, and things like that. But um, for those people who are saying that, my thing is, you know, what are you doing to promote, you know, uh, the, the black agenda? What do you, you know, what, what do you feel he should have done? Um, the, the same man who wrote, you know, uh, F the police. And just two years ago, he wrote a song called Arrest the President. He's not he is not trying to be best friends, you know, with this, you know, current administration. What he's trying to do is just promote the black agenda. And, uh, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, uh, you know, the, the the party, I guess the opposing party is the one who reached out to him. So, you know, my question would be like, what would you do? Would you just say, no, I don't want to work with you? You know, even though currently this, this administration is the one in you know, power, so to speak, or would you uh, be like, you know, like, hey, let's work together, see what we can, you know, get accomplished, things like that. So that that's my big thing is that, you know, we have to learn that this country is, you know, we're the United States of America. We may not feel, you know, a lot of patriotism. Uh, mm -hmm. Some people may not feel patriotic, but we are a, a nation divided right now. And sometimes it just takes that person who can, you know, kind of come together from one side and come together from another side to kind of bring a, a, a change to happen. So I always, you know, go back to the, the uh, 
in my mind, one of the greatest examples is history. You know, you I feel like experience is the best teacher. Mm-hmm. What can we learn from the past to help promote us to the future? What we've learned from the past is that we have to work together in order to create something new. Um, the schools were segregated. We had mm-hmm. to have someone come together to say, hey, this is wrong. This is not right. This is not working to, you know, be now that we have, you know, unsegregated schools. Now, you know, we still have those districts where you can, you know, go to a school and it's like mostly black or, but that's not the law anymore. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, let's not take on the issue. Um, I feel like what Ice Cube did was courageous to be able to work with mm-hmm. the Lisa? Well, I, you know, I, I just have a lot to unpack with the Ice Cube um, situation. First, Ice Cube came up with the uh, contract with Black America has nothing to do with platinum, has nothing to do with Donald Trump's platinum plan. Um, he came up with the contract because he understands that no matter who we vote for, we always somehow wind up on the bottom. So let's be clear what's in the contract. We need to, he was saying, get rid of language that says minority. Because when we know that what minority means, it doesn't always mean, it means other people than black people. Mm -hmm. He wanted Mm -hmm. specific for black people. A minority Mm -hmm. could be a white woman. Mm -hmm. And when we start clumping ourselves into the minority or other people clump us into a minority of people of color, then that means you're opening up to other people of color because we are not the only people of color. So we he wanted to be very specific in the um, reparations for black America because we have a black agenda. What I find is that I think that his intentions were real. I think mm-hmm. that I don't I ever think that Ice Cube is a sellout. I, mm-hmm. I, Ice Cube put this out a few months ago, and he also asked for help mm-hmm. um, in, in kind of crafting and getting it to where it needs to be. One thing that I think that he did um, wrong is timing. Timing is always important when we are um, doing an agenda. Mm-hmm. You know, Dane, that we've talked about this months, way months um, mm-hmm. ago, because we're in the middle of an election season. So the same way that we feel that the timing is wrong, that they shouldn't be electing a new judge to the Supreme Court because right. we're in the middle of an election. I right. think the timing is is wrong. But I also think that um, what he's saying is correct. I think that he just did not have the political know-how to uh, get it done in a in a fashion where as this could have this could be crafted. But we have to also know that we need to we need protection mm-hmm. because what happened was he did present this uh, contract. Uh, with the black with black America to both parties the Democratic Party said we agree with 85% of it, but Mm -hmm. let's talk about it after the election Mm -hmm. Trump already had put out the platinum plan that had nothing to do with ice cubes contract with America 
So what he did was said, well, I have this plan already and it's $300 billion, $300 billion that's on the table. So I believe that Ice Cube didn't understand the breakdown of the Mm -hmm. $300 billion. And he said, okay, at least we're in a conversation. At least you are, um, you know, crafting something for Black America. However, he's cl- this 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 statement was put out four days before Trump's campaign. Ice Cube made a video four days before uh, this uh, White House personnel or campaign, whoever this lady is, put tweeted this mm-hmm. tweet. Now, in his in his original statement he said i do not trust either side of this i'm just trying to get us in a better position which he is correct we cannot keep clumping ourselves in with the rest of america Mm -hmm. we have problems specific to black america correct we need to have a conversation with the united states of america and black people Mm -hmm. our conversation does not have anything to do with anyone else or anything else we need to talk about us right so unpacking that i think that his intentions was right i think that he would have benefited from maybe speaking to activists on the ground or maybe um having some guidance from like you know the uh black uh caucus because mm-hmm. everything that is in ice cubes contract with america is actually sitting on the floor mm-hmm. in congress right? right right so because he has the platform the strategy should be hey this is what we're asking for let's everybody rally together stay united and mm-hmm. push this agenda, but instead, because someone else tweeted um, a lie, a political ploy uh, that was untrue, we fell victim to what we always do, and that's attacking and tearing down our own. Not one time did anyone um, look for the truth. Then no one looked for the four-day video that was already out. We just went off of what this lady out of Trump's campaign said, and we tore Ice Cube up like we never met him. Like we do not know this man or his character because we simply did not know um, what the truth was or we didn't read to get the truth. And that is the real problem with us Mm -hmm. as black people. Mm-hmm. I may not I may not agree with everything Technicia says, and me and you, Dame, we don't agree, agree. on a lot, of, a lot things, of things. Right. But the respect factor has to come in somewhere. Agreed. Now we tore him up in public, mm-hmm. divided mm-hmm. as usual. Right. So what what does this look like? in the eyes of those who mission mm-hmm. it is to keep us afoot. Man, I hate to say it, they did exactly what they wanted. They got the ex- they knew what we were going to do. 
we prove them right again, you know, by by our by our response. A lot of people didn't even read the contract to Black America. Of course not. You know, they just was like, "Oh my God, uh, uh, Ice Cube's working with the the current president. Oh my God, what are we what are we gonna do? Oh my God, like he's a sellout now. Like they got him. It's all about business." It's literally no one. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes it, it's, it's just like, hey, sit down. Stop being so emotional. Read what it is. Thank you. Read what's going on. Read behind it. He shouldn't have to defend himself on Twitter when he's trying to defend himself in writing. Right, you know, in writing. exactly. So and and specifically for us, like because like he said, it was not it's not for all minorities. It's literally for black America. Mm-hmm. You know, those people whose, you know, uh, lineages or families came over here, you know, forcibly. So um, I, I just it, it kind of it kind of uh, for the people who, you know, are uh, Christians, it's like, you know, God came down to, you know, uh, in our beliefs is, is to die for us for our sins and then some people still reject him right. it's just like this you know and in my opinion not you know comparing the two to him you, you know what i'm saying but yeah. anyway <laughs> yeah. yeah it's the I'm same it's the say. concept it's, it's the, the same concept, concept. It's and the concept. i get that right and, mm-hmm. and at some point we are never going to get um from uh under the foot of the united states of america if we do not unite at some point. Yeah, we have to unite. unite. Now, did we agree with the way that Trump's campaign politicized the contract with Black America? Because if you look or if you've read the platinum plan of, of Donald Trump, if you've read it, then I challenge you to see where is this money going? Because the right. bulk of the money is going to infrastructure. Exactly. The bulk of the money is going to infrastructure, and it just says federal funds. That means federal funds are available to everyone who applies. It has nothing to do with Black America. Now, I understand that people for Biden, I have the younger group, I get that they are like, what have the Democratic Party done for black America. Here's the setup. Mm-hmm. If you are willing to change parties or to create our own party or to hold the Democratic and the Republican Party accountable um, for black America and to have this separate conversation with black America, then the time is now to form that. But we're 20 something days out from the election. Timing is everything. And I just think that, I mean, because you already know how I feel. I cast my ballot. I did that. I did that for the greater good. But I have my issues with the DNC. Mm -hmm. I do. I'm not going to say that I don't. I have my issues with the Democratic National Party. I have my issues with America. I have my issues with the Republican Party. But my issues, I casted my ballot on the greater good. Because I know that demon Black Lives Matter terrorist groups um, having death threats on protesters, having illegal sanctions placed on protesters and things like that is something near and dear to my heart. So I cast my ballot because of the greater good. Now, moving forward, should we let the Democratic Party know or the Republican Party know that we have a 10-point agenda 
and someone is going to deal with this 10-point agenda or there will be a fallout from the black community and those that support us. I think, you know, we've touched on it. We need to figure uh, we need to figure out a way. I agree with everything both of you said. And I'll just say this in, in, in closing on this point. You know, I think the timing of it was was terrible. Um, but I agree with everything that he he intended to do and will probably do. He was a man of his word because when he started this, he said his intent was to work with the party that was willing to meet with him halfway. And although we know Trump uses the stage to his benefit, and that's what he did. He turned an opportunity into a chance for him to better himself in the face of the black community. I don't want to call this a Kanye situation, but it's just kind of reminiscent of, you know, the grandstanding that the Trump uh, administration uh, tends to do when it comes to us. And I'm just going to leave it there. But I I applaud Ice Cube for standing on on his word. And he did. I, I do agree. Like Technicia said, sometimes you have to work with your opposition to get change. I'm not saying this is going to happen. But I applaud him, and I'm just going to leave it there. And, you know, I'm going to move into something that, you know, Lise, I know is very um, near and dear to you. You know, uh, I, I want to use Technicia's word because I agree with her. You know, when it comes to Breonna Taylor, I kind of waited on this on purpose. Um, it's a very touchy situation, and anger tends to be the first emotion that comes up. Um, and I wanted to wait because I didn't want to talk about this from an angry point of view. Uh, you know, we get very emotional. You know, some time has passed. And I wanted to also allow some other things come to light, you know, with her case, you know. Um, but I'm going to let Lisa begin um, and, and touch on, you know, Breonna Taylor, the, you know, your thoughts on the verdict and kind of where we've moved, you know, since this thing has unpacked over the last couple, well, the last month or so. The Bianca T- uh, Taylor case to me is a total cover-up, a sham, and a um, disservice to the people of the United States and to the citizens of Kentucky. I know for a fact that this case has been trying, uh, has been covered up. There's lies going on, and Daniel Cameron, the mm. Attorney General, uh, there in Kentucky, is playing politics with the citizens of Kentucky. Anytime that a grand juror has to file a motion to speak and have the records released, we know that you are lying and that you are um, basically uh, for political gain at this point. And that Mm -hmm. is the definition of a sellout. Mm -hmm. Um, when um, When you oppress someone for gain of your own, so that is what Daniel Cameron has done with the Breonna Taylor case. Um, he should be removed from this case. I think that we need a new grand jury hearing because even from the beginning of this case, it stinks. Mm-hmm. It stinks. Mm-hmm. When from getting the warrant to going in that home and you cannot live in a stand your ground state and fire a warning shot and get over 32 bullets shot back at you. Mm-hmm. Now, and the state of Kentucky is a stand your ground state. This man mm-hmm. had a right 
to stand his ground because he did not know it was the police. It's so evident right, that right. he did not know it was the police. It was evident from the 911 call. It was evident to when he came out, he thought that they were coming there to help Brianna. Right. He did not know that it was the police. Even as you watch the body cam footage, he's crying, saying, what's going on? What's happening? He is so confused because why would this man call the police on the police if he right. knew it was the police? Right. They had no reason not to open up that door. They didn't have drugs in there. They didn't have anything illegal in, in that apartment. Mm -hmm. It was a box job. Job, and it was being covered up. The law was not followed. Uh, the officer should have been immediately assigned another officer and escorted to the police station. However, this man Mattingly was missing for three mm -hmm. hours mm -hmm. afterwards, and he entered an active crime scene. Right. So it stinks from hell to high water. What they're doing, it is a, a cover up. Um, and I think that the, when all of the evidence come out, Kentucky should be ashamed of them of themselves. We already know the racial um, undertone in this case. So Daniel Cameron, being the uh, attorney general, has not done anything. They would taught a black man, but he's not the black man for the people. Mm -hmm. He's the black man for his political gain. He mm -hmm. lied at his um, press conference and said that the grand jury decided not to bring right. charges against the police when the grand jury was not even presented with that right. charge or right. any evidence. And the grand jury had, I listened to that tape. I committed myself to listen to those hearings. And the grand jury was very inquisitive. They mm -hmm. had questions, but they were blocked. Like now he's just filed a motion to silence Right. the grand jury this woman was killed so how can you in a stand your ground state stand your ground only when it's the police breaking into your house it don't well, work the the sad thing <laughs> about about this whole thing before you know we transition it to a technician doing some research so this same unit was involved in a very similar instance where they broke into a home and shot up the people in the home, not not even two years prior. The same unit. So that you know, for me, when you know, um, I, I remember hearing some people like Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal talking about you know uh, charges that you know her boyfriend should receive for firing at the police. You know, the police were doing their job, so I'll give them that. But someone has to be held ac accountable because this is not just a rare instance. To me, more than once means that this there, there's an abuse of power somewhere, and that needs to be whether it be the captain, you know, uh, somebody in, in the governor or the mayor's office. Someone needs to be charged because this does. If it happens more than once, then someone is really abusing their power, and there's something else going on here that 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 stinks. Daniel Cameron, I'm not even going to talk about this dude. I'm not going to give him breath. I'm not going to give him life because he's he's a worthless piece of. Anyway, uh, I'm just going to keep it. I'm going to keep it there because I can't. I'm not even going to do it with this brother. Um, Technicia, your thoughts on this? So uh, the Brianna Taylor case, um, it, it's it's a grave injustice that was done to her. I mean, here was a you know a young woman who was a paramedic, you know, and she had uh, 
she had ambitions of becoming a nurse because she wanted to help people. Being a paramedic, what you know, in, in itself is is very stressful. It's a you know a, a high stress job, but it's definitely something where you're helping people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know the the whole thing that happened with her, um, it it just was so sad. It's like, can you do anything, you know, and not. It's like you can, you know, do all the right things. You have a great career. You can, you know, um, help people be a volunteer, you know, and, you know, something bad can still happen to you in this country. And then people are not found to justice or are not the actual equal justice under the law is not followed Um you, in this country, you know, it justice is actually up to you know the, the person who's giving out the justice. It's, it seems like it's not like a, a playing field or a play a level playing field when it comes to, to justice. Because if that was a situation reversed, um, and it, I feel like, like I said, it, it depends on who's the person giving out the justice. Because if uh, you know, s- the same situation would have happened with, you know, different cultures or different people. I feel like, you know, some of the uh, this, the, the, the actual di- what happened to that officer would be different, would happen differently. Um, I know if you if you, you know, want to just go back in history, you have a, a little kid who was lied on. You know, we all know the story at Emmett Hill. And just because, you know, something that he did or didn't do because he actually you know, didn't do it, you know, and we all saw what happened to him. Um, you know, we all saw what happened to um, uh, the the black police officer that I think um, something happened with, you know, him. He's a black police. He's actually in jail now. And it and was many, uh, and Minneapolis, Minneapolis, the black yep. police mm-hmm. officer, yeah, and Minneapolis. Yes. In Minneapolis, a Muslim brother, he was um, uh, accidentally shot mm-hmm. a white woman. Yep. And yes. he's serving twelve years, and it yep. was justice was came very very swift for him. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's not the same, you know, justice system here, which is why I think you know even the contract for America is so important because you know we do need that uh, that equal level playing field here when it comes to justice. Uh, when you take your you know whatever job you have, when you take your uniform all at night, you're you're we're all human beings. You know, we all, you know, have the same color blood. No one has a different color of blood. So if, you know, you, you, uh, shoot a person, you kill a person, you know, you need to be, um, you you need to be held accountable for what you're doing. Now, if it's your job, then we need to dig into this. Like, why did this happen? Was there a lack in protocol, you know, Mm -hmm. which definitely happened here, you know, they need to start, you know, at the, that higher level, like, hey, we need to start these, uh, you know, we need to change these protocols. One of the things that I heard Kamala um, say is that um, if, you know, her and Joe win the presidency, um, they're going to ban, you know, chokeholds. Because if, you know, the chokeholds were illegal, you know, George Floyd probably would still be here. Um, Maybe not, you know, fate, if you're thinking about that, but who knows? I, I just think that we definitely need to have those tough conversations and make changes. And that's the problem that I see is that we have these tough conversations, but they throw money at it and then no changes are made. Like what changes have they done in the Louisville area for their uh, police department 
what changes have they um, made after this whole Breonna Taylor case? Have they just been like, oh, you know, they're always getting upset when, you know, a black person is killed by, you know, a police officer, you know, uh, nothing's going to change. We're just going to throw some money at it and wait till the next one happens. And then, you know, we're in this vicious cycle again. So um, my opinion about, you know, the entire situation is, is a, a grave injustice. I don't feel that um, justice was served. Um, I feel like Brianna Taylor, she, her life, um, she, she, her life was cut short. And um, unfortunately, her boyfriend, um, who said that it was her, his, not only his girlfriend, but his best friend, mm-hmm. had to live with not only that guilt, but that fear that, you know, that trauma of seeing his best friend taken out by, you know, the, the people who are supposed to protect and serve. Well said. Yeah, it's rough. I, I feel you, Leaf. And, you know, and this is where I have or I have issues having worked in the police department for 10 years. I just have real serious issues with um, people that do not want to reform or transform or dismantle, defund, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. This this existing um, put the way that we police and the way that um things are done when it comes to black people and i i just i just i don't i don't support any um one that does not even want to have the conversation i don't support anyone that just says that systemic racism doesn't exist i don't support anyone that says that um we are exaggerating as black people that Mm -hmm. you know it's only a thousand a thousand or twelve hundred people are killed by the police that's too much Mm -hmm. like just so you want to minimize those lives like that are innocently lost though those are people are attached to someone these Mm -hmm. are people who are unarmed right these are people who are not a threat but when it comes to where we stand um on any issue as black people in this country we are always at the absolute bottom of the equation and i'm saying that enough of that is enough we're done with that and black people have to realize that we cannot sit home on our couches we cannot twitter this thing to death we cannot um watch it from our tvs like it's a soap opera um i understand that people are upset with ice cube listen forgive him like he's your uncle get on the Mm -hmm. um, with the um the contract for black America, get with the caucus, get out in the streets, understand that after you vote, you need to hold these people accountable. It sounds like a slogan to some people. Like, so how do you hold them accountable? How do you do this? The same way that we out in the street marching against the police, you can march against your politicians, show up at the door uh, until freedom was parked in front of Daniel Cameron's house. For right. 22 days. You understand? Mm. No, I Nobody would know who Daniel Cameron was if it was not for the protesters on the ground putting him out there, putting his um agenda and, and, and showing to people that this is wrong, what he's he doing, doing, what he's saying mm-hmm. is a lie. And we need to keep that same energy up when it comes to what affects us. We're at the bottom. We've been at the bottom. Now we have to. We have some real choices to make mm-hmm. here. We can't just follow suit. And Ice Cube is not wrong for saying that we are 
after this election, I think, that we should let the United States know that black America is no longer giving away free votes. Mm -hmm. We're no longer doing we, that. We're breaking. We from said the, that. Yeah, I've been, we, I said this last year. We, we said this a long time ago. Time for us to really, get away from the table. You, know, you got to be easy when you're talking to black people who are Democrats because then, like, going to any other, it don't even have to be a Republican Party. There's an independent party that is well. We, we, we have to break up this two-party system anyway. Well, we have to break up the way politics are, are, are done with capitalism and money. The more money you got, the more money you have, then the one, you know, wins. We got a lot of work to do, but we have to stay focused and understand. I get, I get it. I get that people want Trump out. I get it. I get that we are voting um, to, to get this. But what if he wins? Mm. Because that, that's a reality that uh, I think a lot of people don't uh, really seem to, uh, em I don't want to say embrace, but realize that it's a reality. He could win again. And that's really a whole nother topic of conversation that, you know, we can come back, you know, next week and talk about. Um, and it's a lot in what you said, just in breaking up the two-party system. I mean, there are a lot of independent. There, look, the last time I checked, from 2020, Third parties and independents, you know, it's got to be close to 100. So just let that number resonate and sink in. Right. Outside of the Republican Party and the Democratic Party, there's close to my last check. And I got tired of reading. But third party candidates and independents is close to 100 that have the opportunity to, to be uh, voted for for president. So and we let the media, the mainstream media dictate to us who our only two options are, which is a, is a problem here in America. And real quick, just to jump in on that, you know, I want to shout out, you know, Diddy for, you know, organizing, you know, and trying to strategize, you know, the organization of the Black Party. You know, he announced yesterday, great idea, great concept, you know, but again, I think this is something that we really need to look at. You know, we've talked about it before and what you just said, Lisa. What happens with this election, win, lose, or draw, the Black community needs to push itself away from the table. We need to just get up and walk away and come together as a united block and really build ourselves up from within, whether that be through education, through economics, through, you know, our own infrastructure. You know, all of these things that are laid out in this country that this country denies us of having daily. daily. You know, we have the skills and the capabilities as a collective to go ahead and and really it starts with us so we need to go ahead and figure out like i said getting away from the table for the next four years or the next two-year cycle whatever it may be we got to start somewhere push push yourself away from the table and, and, I, and start, I start, start from within that's what we really need to do i agree i just feel like um that we need to uh align ourselves at, and position ourselves as a viable we need because we are our vote is definitely powerful. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. okay. I feel like I went out. Um, mm -hmm. I think that our vote is definitely powerful, else you would not be trying so hard to suppress it. I think that here's the thing with us, though. We um, have to understand that our political um, agenda is very, very, very different from anyone else's. And we have to understand that as collective body 
as um, one that we cannot individually, um, you know, attack people who are trying to help. He didn't write the contract for the crack how he didn't write you know what i'm saying he wrote wrote a contract for black america that means you and me and even if you didn't agree that he did it for both parties and Mm -hmm. this is what we have to understand i think that people we have to understand that i think that people are so uh laser focused on trump that as soon as you hear someone had a conversation with trump you feel like oh oh my goodness you know what i'm saying but here's the deal what are you going to do if this man wins? Because he has a chance to do that. I know people don't like to hear that, but he does have an, a chance to get in office. Do we send the Black Caucus along with um, Ice Cube's uh, contract with Black America? Do we... Uh, rally behind these ideals? Do we rally behind this agenda either way it goes? Do we um, stand behind it in the streets? Do we stand behind it politically and push our agenda and um, say, because this is it, you either get with us or we're gone from this. Who is going to support this agenda? Either way. Um, everyone can say while they're running that, you know, I'll get with this and they have campaign promises and they never come to uh, fruition, right? We've seen that with the Trump campaign. Everything that he's promised over 70 some odd promises have not came to fruition. So where do we go from here? Where do we go um, if the Dems or Democratic Party get in? And it is Biden. We have to hold these people accountable, regardless. We have to get out our feelings and get on this business cap and get this agenda pushed because it's 2020. And I'm saying that we have the best and the brightest and our young people, they don't always agree with us, but they are the best and the brightest and they're right. We have got to stop blindly supporting Democrats who do not have our best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. Period. Well, I agree. Hey, Nietzsche, I see you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. We definitely need to vote based off our values and who is that candidate that best represents our values. If it's, you know, if you're a Democrat and you want to vote for a Republican, if you're a Republican and you want to vote for a Democrat, it, it doesn't matter. Honestly, uh, I, I like the idea of having, you know, like another party um, from because it's like if we, you know, don't have, uh, you know, like like in a situation like this where some people might feel like, oh, man, I'm not voting at all because, you know, um, I just don't support either one of them. You know, people four years ago were saying like, oh, my God, I'm definitely not voting, which really, hurt, you know, hurt us in the long run because it's like four years ago, people were like, oh my God, I'm not voting. These candidates are just not for me. I don't agree with either one of them. So I'm just not going to vote. Well, I definitely think now, you know, more people are one, you know, being pushed to vote, uh, being encouraged to vote, I should say, not pushed, but encouraged to vote. Um, I think that we're taking a look at the hard issues now, um, not just, hey, uh, traditionally, we uh, since, you know, since the 19. 19- 64 civil rights acts you know blacks have been democrats you know and then they've been sprinkled in the republican party but 
do we need you know like a third party where hey we're we're here to do this this is what we're going to do and it's more so you know for i can't say it can just be for black people because obviously this is the united states of america but we have a party where our agenda is not only being pushed uh, and looked at but actually implemented some of the things are actually being implemented and um and i think that's what we kind of lack in this country sometimes is that you know their campaign promises they just don't um you know come they don't live up to what they um campaigned on and i know it's a, a lot of external factors that factor into you know their overall decision of what they can do and what they can't do in their four years you know the economy is always you know up and down maybe they need to focus on that maybe they need to focus right. on health care and then that black agenda gets pulled to the back burner but we need a party you know or you know either one of the two parties or even a third party that is going to not only review our black agenda maybe you know put add some new things take out some things but actually going to put that plan into action um and that's the way i feel like we're gonna you know progress um here in, in, in this country you know moving forward into the future because i mean uh, we've been doing kind of the, the same things for the last you know 200 some years mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and we've made a little bit of progress but i feel like we could be so much further you know down uh into being an actual equal country where everyone feels like you know their voice is heard and that justice is truly served um and 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 that's how i feel like you know we can you know really move forward into the the future but on the on the topic of just you know i know like police brutality in this country it is i don't know if it's heightened here or if it's you know i know it happens a lot but i know that feeling that I feel sometimes if I get stopped by, you know, like just that initial fear that you have, um, you know, is, is there. Um, and I, the funny, well, not funny thing, but the curious thing is when I was um, in another country in, in South Africa, mm-hmm. I saw this lady, like this, this cop pulled behind a lady and he was blowing at her, like, you know, like move out of the way while you're in the middle of the street. She's like, she gets out of her car. She's like, you don't tell me to move. I'm not moving. I'm moving. I want to. And I'm like, wow. You know, in America, she would have got shot. Right. <laughs> like, uh, right. Or they right. would have been like, ma'am, get back in your car, you know, with a gun drawn if she did. Right. You know, right. like, do not get out of your car, you know, until he comes up to yours. And, you know, I was just like, I would literally was like clutching my, my pearls. <laughs> I was like, wow, she's still alive, you know? And so I really feel like you know, we do need to change some of the, the, the way, you know, the protocols. I mean, maybe there's a lot more fear here. I don't know. It's a mixing um, pot here, too. But I just I think I think we've got a whole it's a definitely a cultural thing. Um, I really do believe that. Um, and that that's really um, a, a separate topic, you know, and, and really, I think to to what both of you are saying and closing out this this segment that my my view are, is really that we have an old establishment and just look at here in america we regurgitate and recycle the same old thought processes that keep us in the stone age you know nothing against biden the man is a relic yes he yes he has experience but sometimes your experience does not still make you qualified to do the job in the current times. We live in a different day and age. We have so many young and talented black, white, brown, yellow, uh, 
up and coming politicians that are ready to do the job now and speak to the issues that we're dealing with today. But for whatever reason, in American politics, we get stuck on relics. They were great for their time. And it's like any in any industry. And I hate to say, you know, even for myself, you know, you're good, you're great at what you do. But at some point in time, because it's human nature, you have your own thought patterns on how things should be done. You have certain things that are ingrained in you from experience at work that you just carry with you as you advance. And it's very hard for us just as human beings to change or alter our thoughts, you know, and our problem with the Supreme Court. You know, you have people that are stuck in a, in, a, in a thought that when they look at us or they view us a certain way, they write laws and laws are being written and passed down to people that are punishing us based on our color. You know, our, our government really needs to revamp. You know, I look, I'll just throw, you know, Beto Rocks and the Pete Buttigieg. And, there's so much talent out here that we, again, have our news and our media navigates us with this idiot box on who you should be looking at because we have become lazy as a society. And I'm just going to leave it there. We have to open up our mind and really find out who's in our backyard. The young talent, the people with the energy that's going to go out and do a lot of things that we're sitting here talking about today that are willing to stand up and stand out and are not afraid to make change for people who look just like them. And on oh. that note, yes, Lisa, I mean, cut you go ahead. <laughs> I was just reading one of the comments, but um, I'm sorry. I was just reading one of the comments. Um, Daniel um, Abbott said, I don't think we can move forward with respect without our own political party. We have as assimilated into a culture that wasn't created with us in mind. I agree. I can I can agree with that because, I mean, just thinking of, you know, some other governments that sometimes they've had to create their own party um, to, you know, be able to push their agenda through, uh, you know, and it's entirety. So I, I can agree with that too. I do too. I, I definitely agree. Um, I know that we've been fighting this uphill battle that it's just that. It's just an uphill battle um, when you, when we have any type of progress or any kind of um, <laughs> obstacle. There are many that we have to overcome just for basic things like we've talked we've covered in this segment like voter suppression brianna taylor br uh, police brutality i mean it goes on and on and on and it is just so apparent that these are things that was designed to keep away from us and we are just saying no so we fight back and we get a little crumb and we get a little crumb and we get a little crumb and I, I mean, we have mm -hmm. this, we have to reject, we have to reject the crumbs. Exactly. Yeah. I said that one day I was like, we have to stop with the, the breadcrumbs and really, um, and really fight for real justice and, and real um, answers. Like, you know, in this case with Brianna Taylor, right? Um, let's just say as a collective, you know, she had some advisors to say, hey, we're not taking this money. Not saying she shouldn't. I'm just saying, like, that, in my opinion, was a breadcrumb. 
you know, because this happened in Baltimore. They gave the family money. This happens in, you know, a lot of American cities. They just give them money. But what is the real change? Like, we need to stop taking those breadcrumbs and say, hey, this is what we want. We are not going to uh, stop with this, uh, you know, our appeal process, our, you know, our fighting for equal justice until we get actual real equal justice under the law, which is what you guys or not you guys, but, you know, our forefathers of this country, you know, wanted us to be able to have. So I definitely think I agree with you um, that, you know, we have to stop taking those breadcrumbs and really lay out and stick to what we say. It's just like a person saying, I'm not innocent. I'm not innocent. I'm not innocent. You know, like, hey, if you take this plea deal and say you're you're guilty, we'll let mm-hmm. you out. A lot of people do that because they just want their freedom. They just want to be out. But instead of saying, no, I'm not guilty. I'm not I'm not leaving here until I get my amnesty, you know, Mm -hmm. my unconditional amnesty. I know I didn't do this. Now, a lot of people don't have the tenacity or the ambition to do that. But, you know, there are people out here who are able to do that. And so we like I said, we need to definitely uh, to your point, stop taking those breadcrumbs and really, really get what we're want. If we're writing out this contract for Black America, everything that's in it, we need to support it wholeheartedly and not just like, okay, you're going to give me this one, but you're not going to give me this one. No, you need to give me one through ten. Okay? And you need to give me one through ten, and it needs to be when am I getting it, how are these funds allocated, where did these funds come from, and who's in charge of uh, dis- dispersing these funds and making sure that they get to where they're supposed to be because see we all fall under the minority when it comes down to the federal government but then what you find is when they're dis- um, dispersing these funds it never really or hardly ever or maybe just the small crumbs trickle down to the black community so there is you know that and then you know we have our own like you said technique, our own separate unique issues that we that the United States um, may deal with or, or may not because the ideals that the forefathers put for us to have a democracy, we never really lived up to it. And their democracy, we have to understand that the greatest false in this country is the hoax of a democracy because when we, the people, was written, it was only written for white men who owned property. So we didn't include everybody from the beginning. Yes, definitely. You know, the agree. <laughs> agree. I know. Like, I just said, I can't. It's too much. They, they, yeah. they, did, they did say, you know, in the preamble that, you know, they, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility. I don't feel like we're getting that domestic tranquility, you know. And like you said, to your your point that we don't uh, we weren't kind of written into this whole preamble of the Constitution, obviously. But, you know, as a 100 percent an American citizen, I want to be able to live in my house in domestic tranquility. And I want to be able to, uh, you know, have that have that equal justice in the law, knowing that if I something happened to me that my life wasn't in vain not that you know mm-hmm. me, i've done you know good things in, in life but knowing that my life wasn't ended like this you know in a pointless uh form of you know it because of a clerical error or you, you see what i'm saying so mm-hmm. yes yes or unfortunate happenstance i mean anything i want anything. i want to be able to live up to those ideologies that were written even though they weren't written for us now that we are you know uh american citizens i want to be able to 
go and pull up this, uh, you know, this document that they had and say, hey, listen, this is what I was supposed to be awarded. So why are you not awarding it me, awarding it to me? So um, anytime you're, you're working at a job, we have SOPs, we have standard operating right. procedures, right? right? This is the process of what happens when this. We have fire drills. When you're a kid, you learn stop, drop, and roll. There's a process for mm -hmm. everything here in America. Why aren't we holding people accountable to what they wrote? It wasn't even right. us, honestly. It was them. So yeah. it's it's just uh, that's just my my take on it. Okay. Well, at this point, <laughs> um, I think I'm going to open it up. Um, you know, we have some some people watching and listening. Um, you know, anybody else have any questions or comments? You know, hey, how you doing, Corey? Uh, Jeff Hardy, thanks for watching. Daniel Abbott, see you out there. Uh, Rich Taylor. Anybody have any questions before we uh, get ready to close out? Uh, no? Okay. None at, none at this time. So um, before we go, Technicia, you want to share with us uh, anything that you're working on or anything that you may have coming up in the near future? Um, so as um, I, I know you guys interview me um, for my business and party mm -hmm. career coaching. So um, if you want to connect with me there, my um, Instagram, I'm empower you career coaching pretty much everywhere. I'm empower you career coaching on uh, Instagram. That's my website. Empower you. It's the letter you coaching.com. But yeah, I'm over there working, helping people in their careers. So that's pretty much what I've been working on. <laughs> okay. All right, Lisa, anything? Uh, yeah, I would like, uh, yes. The, uh, uh, oh, we got a question. Uh, I'm trying to, I think. So, uh, this guy wants segregation a bad thing. Oh, I'm gonna let take me. I see Tanisha got a hand up. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> segregation here in America was a bad thing, yes, because they had this whole separate but equal thing, and it was never separate but equal, it was separate. Um, it was sep let's separate the races. We're going to give you guys everything that's subpar. And, uh, and also we're going to give you this PTSD thinking or trauma to mm. make you think that your hair isn't beautiful. Your culture isn't beautiful. The way you dress isn't beautiful. Your language isn't beautiful. And we're going to uh, pretty much, wow. uh, we want to, so to speak, whitewash you to think that your way of living isn't isn't correct. I uh, I really do feel like uh, segregation was. I know a lot of people are like integration is worse. What? No, I, I I don't believe that. We need to uh, co we need to cohabitate. We need that unity, that national unity um, that we don't really have, honestly. Um, so segregation, if it was a good thing. I don't think they would have ever uh, sought for uh, integration. Um, was it good in the sense of, you know, maybe pride mostly? Yeah, I think that was, you know, it was good for maybe like um, black pride. Um, but as far as the segregation that happened here in America, I don't think it was good because it was supposed to be separate but equal, but it was never equal. It was always we were the scum of the earth and they were able to live in these lush, plush, you know, neighborhoods. They were able to have the best schools, the best education. Um, and, you know, we were over here in a one year, uh, one room uh, schoolhouse, um, barely being able to teach kids past the sixth grade with proper wow. materials. Um, that's why I like Tuskegee was created, but Thun Cookman was created. Um, 
you know, uh, Hampton University, all that is because they wanted to have a place for where they could still get that same equal, you know, education. But literally, they still had to go to white donors in order to mm-hmm. to build the to build these schools. So uh, the federal government should have been providing that funding, and they shouldn't have had to ever go to ever had to go to private donors if they wanted to. It could have been an option. But right. um, yeah, I don't. I definitely. I don't think segregation here was good for any any parts of like our psyche, our mental psyches. Um, or any part of our culture or our lives. Mm. That's just okay. my take on that. Uh, um, look, <laughs> man, I'm going to I'm going to leave it right there because there's another question. Yeah, I'm going to leave that. Right. I'm going to leave that right there because she answered that very well. And I'm, man, go ahead, Technicia. I'm going to leave it right there. We got another question. Yes. Um, did you see it in the comments? I don't see Okay. Nope. He said, uh, "How much do you think the inherent trauma has played?" a part in our relationship with the government. Hmm. Well, I'm like, go ahead, Lisa. Go ahead. Yes, that's more in your, your, your wheelhouse. Go ahead. Our, our trauma, um, our inherent trauma has played a, um, a very big part um, in who we are as, as, as um, black people in America. The trauma um, comes and it's very, very deep for people uh when it comes to government we have decided to go along to get along and i think that that's why we're seeing so much turmoil in the black community because the younger people like um we have on our uh, show today feel differently you know we blindly did things over the years um we don't pay attention to anything that affects us locally we do not demand in these inner cities um, to have um, our fair share um, when it comes down to schools, um, equal schools, um, because even though we did say we did integrate, it didn't impact us a whole lot, except for we were able now to go to restaurants and we were able to coexist, but economically, um, education-wise, um, it did not um, get us anywhere too far, um, in my personal opinion. And as far as with the government, um, our inherent mental illness and trauma that we suffered in the United States um, has made us complacent as a people as a whole. We do not um, inherently feel connected to each other. We do not... Um, feel like we are really brothers and sisters. So segregation and integration has taken that because when we were segregated, we had, all we had was each other. Now we're, you know, feeling like individualism is a Mm -hmm. big thing. We have classism, we have colorism, we have, um, you know, all of these things that divide us. So inherently our mental illness towards each other it's mm-hmm. horrible as That's we're terrible. seeing and then it trickles to the government because they have free reign we don't rebut rebuke uh anything that goes on um some people who are from inner cities move out of the inner cities and leave behind and never go back to say hey we fighting for education in these democratically run cities mm-hmm. let's be clear Mm-hmm. That most of these democratically run cities 
um, have the worst education system, the highest rates of crime, mm-hmm. and the highest incarceration rate. So our mental illness comes from inherently uh, self-hatred. And I'm going to just put it out there because we don't feel that we, we, we are involved in anything. We're so used to getting those crumbs that Technicia so eloquently refers to that we don't expect anything more. We don't mm-hmm. fight for more. And um, it, it, it plays a big part when it comes down to the government because they know where we are. They look at us and they know where we are. We're not taken as a serious, viable threat as opposed to other um, nationalities within within this nation or other, um, you know, people that uh, has an agenda that stick together and does, um, um, you know, group economics mm-hmm. to push their agenda. Right. We don't have group economics where we can push our agenda. We don't do anything um, other than what we've been doing, and that is, you know, what yeah. we inherently well, we, have been taught. <laughs> I'm sorry for the well, long No, no, yeah. no. Well said, but that was a great question, Daniel. Thank you, you know, for the question. Um, is there any other questions before we go ahead and get ready to close out today? Um, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm, who, what we got? Because I'm not, it's, it's not popping up here in a... <laughs> Okay, I think this is coming from my watch party, though. So okay, that's um, probably why. Yeah, I'm not uh, yeah, seeing the watch it's party. Yeah, La- Lorraine Turner, my cousin in mm-hmm. California, says mental illness towards uh, each other is so sad and disheartening. The education system I am working for provide and cater to brown um, more than black. Okay. Um, wow. Uh, I, I, that's one I had to see her. That's, that's a, a lot, uh, to unpack, but yeah. this goes to the minority thing. The people of color think we always wind up at the bottom of it all. <laughs> all. When all things are said and done and yes, David, that's correct. You know, unity, uh, amongst us, we need voting blocks and, and, and to learn to be together, uh, when we go out and we do anything, you know, we talked about that earlier. Um, unity in our community is tough. We've got to figure out how to get out of the crab in the barrel uh, mentality and tearing each other down and get together and work collectively um, in whatever we do, not just politics, but economics, infrastructure. Um, and we just got to get better at, at, at doing that. Um, Today has been an excellent show. Uh, I thank everyone for joining in uh, and, and taking time out of your busy Sundays um, today's episode, this is brand new for us. This is actually going to be tomorrow's podcast. So if you, uh, you know, if you didn't get a chance, you know, you can always go back and, and watch this on Facebook live. You can watch it again, or you can go ahead and download it, stream, stream it tomorrow when it's released. While you're, while you're at it, and if you're here, if you haven't already go over to uh, www.2micsup.com, go ahead and subscribe. It's totally free. Um, This has been an amazing first season. We are coming towards the end. We're going to close it down. Um, Thank you. Technicia has been with us before. She is an an amazing young woman. Um, She's doing great things in the community. So proud to have her as part of our extended family and our network. Uh, We're going to be following along. We're going to be tracking you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, what you're doing uh, you know you're an amazing and thank you for taking time out I today and joining us yes, yes she's amazing she's amazing 
Thank you. I love you both. I love you too, sis. Um, and at this time, family, like we always do. Uh, well, actually, before that, you know, if you haven't, go over to www.twomicesup.com. Like I said, subscribe. Check out the catalog. Um, we've grown immensely from our first episode to now. Uh, I apologize early on. We were, you know, in our new stages. Uh, we had some technical difficulties, but the quality, <laughs> the quality has grown and improved <laughs> over our first season. Um, like I said, if anybody's interested in sponsoring or interested in being a guest speaker on the show, we're always looking for anyone that's a black-owned business or any person that's working hard to educate, empower, and positively impact our community. We'd like to hear from you. We'd like to be able to work together and share your story on our podcast. And like we always do at this time, stay safe, stay blessed. blessed. Mike's out. Mike's out. Bye, guys. Thank you both. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Bye.